A quick hello and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Ben Gabler from Florida. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Brilliant. Yeah, you said you're in Florida and it's really warm and it's really cold for the rest of us like Anton and myself. See, now you're starting me out as the bad guy. You know, that's, <laughs> that's not nice. Well, definitely. <laughs> by, the way, by the way, hands down, best welcome opening I've ever seen. So great job. Wonderful. Thank you very much. And today we're here to talk about CDNs. And I'm incredibly <clears throat> interested because my experience of CDNs is so out of date. But before we start, really quickly, uh, of course, as always, I look you up online. I'm the brand SERP guy. So I look at people online, what appears when we search your name. And if we show that screen, your brand SERP is wonderful. I'm not sure if your name is incredibly unique, but it appears to be. <laughs> or you've been around the block so often that Google can only see you. But if you look right at the bottom, you can see that we got in there right at the bottom of the page with the video for today's episode. Yeah, that's great. You know, I think there's another Ben Gabler. I think he's a tennis player. I'm not, I'm not sure, though. It's not me. I don't, I'm not good at tennis. <laughs> right. Okay. So there's only two of you relatively... I mean, it doesn't sound to me like a particularly unique, unique name. I'm not wishing to offend you, but it doesn't no, no. sound. Ben is not unique, and Gabler doesn't seem to me to be unique, but maybe the two married together are unique. Yeah, most likely. Uh, it could also be just all of the you know historical posts in the hosting industry that are still showing from the early 2000s. You know, they've been up there for a very long time. Right, brilliant. You're very good at segueing. Maybe we should switch roles and you should be the host. <laughs> <laughs> because, in fact, you've been in the industry for, you said, 17 years. And our initial discussion was that I started my site like 21 years ago. And I got into CDNs because of the cost, because Rackspace, lovely company, great hosting provider. They saved me more times than I can possibly mention. But they charged several dollars per gigger or giga or whatever you want to call it. And I ended up moving to cloud hosting more for the cost than anything else and then realized that the proximity was important. But my first instance in 2004, 2005 was cost. And it's changed, hasn't it? I'm completely out of date. <laughs> I wouldn't say completely. It's, it's definitely changed slightly. But, you know, when we think about just CDN and bandwidth in, in general, it's kind of been a race to the bottom lately on you know bandwidth pricing so you know it's uh it's still pretty in line with what you were seeing back then you know when you're when you're kind of looking for strictly just bandwidth and delivery you know you're, you have a certain price model versus trying to do a whole bunch of things with management involved like rack space but i mean i mean from a bandwidth perspective as a normal website bandwidth just doesn't come into the calculation anymore it used to but I mean, I, you have to be fairly big for, for bandwidth to even be considered by a hosting provider to be a surcharge. Sure. You know, I think there's a couple of different talking points to that. I think um, the bandwidth is definitely still a valid uh, key point when you think about hosting today. But a lot of companies are, are using it in a different way. Like, for example, they might say you get unlimited bandwidth, but 200,000 visitors. So it's, right. it's still technically the same thing. It's, it's tomato, tomato, right? And, and, you know, ultimately, you know, there's calculations with the average site, you know, average object size that gets delivered and, you know, how that, you know, ends up, what, what kind of bandwidth would 200,000 visits use on average, right? So it's still mm -hmm. very much involved in the model. And in fact, things like Google Cloud, 
you know, it may seem like it's a heck of a deal at first, but then once you start getting those uh, transit bills for their, you know, ingress and egress, it, it starts to creep up pretty quick. Right. Well, I'm on Google Cloud, so I'm suddenly starting to worry. Um, but that kind of the idea of bandwidth, I mean, it's like kind of what they do is say unlimited bandwidth, but we're going to calculate that the average is going to be okay. So you could actually make the calculation and just go on there and say, well, I've got very few visitors who consume enormous amounts of data, and I'm going to be a winner. Until they shut you off. Oh, why? Oh, 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 oh that's naughty. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, they all, you know, a lot of people have that fair use policy and a lot of customers may not know. And the tricky thing about that in some yeah. of the commodity hosting markets is if somebody starts to succeed, the last thing they want to do is get shut down, right? So, um, especially if they're not extremely tech savvy to understand what their growth is really equating to on the back end. So, you know, that's why with what we like like what we do is very transparent. Like here's what you're gonna get. You can monitor at any time, you know, and you know, there's soft limits, like we don't sit here and disable people. Um, you know, so that's that's kind of the you know, customer experience and you know, you just gotta be careful. Anytime you see anything unlimited, uh, there, there's definitely fine print attached to it. Like Hostgator, for example, to name one name that we've talked about previously. I mean, I, I see Hostgator and GoDaddy, for that matter, as being these kind of get them in, get them with these promises, and then maybe the service isn't going isn't to come up with it. But then I also think from a consumer perspective as a website owner, I think, well, if I'm paying for the bandwidth on this side, why would I get a CDN and pay for it on both sides? Because I'm not using the bandwidth on the first side where I've already paid for it included in my package. Yep. No, there's definitely big differences there. You know, when you think about the bandwidth included in your hosting package, uh, it may not be CDN bandwidth, right? Like, it might just be the amount of bandwidth you could do from that specific server where your site is. And, you know, that's much different than a CDN in the sense of if you added a CDN and maybe you had different types, whatever your traffic pattern might look like, your usage on the server that's included is going to go down, the CDN bandwidth goes up, but the user experience also improves. Right. Okay. So first argument for a CDN is saying that the user is going to get better experience. And in fact, the relative cost to us is, is minimal. And yet the experience goes up. Therefore, we retain better. Is that for argument number one? Absolutely. Okay. What's argument number two then? You know, I think there's a lot of optimization that comes into play with the CDNs. You know, depending on how you utilize a CDN, there's obviously um, from your history just plain CDNs that deliver files. Uh, but then when you kind of look at Cloudflare and Fastly and some of these others, there's ways that you can actually optimize the data as, you know, for example, Cloudflare, Broadly compression. It's supposed mm -hmm. to add, you know, it, it, it compresses objects better than GZIP for specific types of objects. Your hosting company may not support Broadly, but Cloudflare does. So Cloudflare will pull your asset, compress it with Broadly, then deliver it. So now you're getting optimization out of the CDN as well. Right. And so, in fact, the, the compression saves money as well in the sense that it, it, it reduces the file size, therefore you pay less because you're actually delivering less. I mean, Jono Alderson is a big, big fan. Jono Alderson from Yoast is a big fan of, of Cloudflare. Uh, Cloudflare. Cloudflare, what I see is that it's incredibly transparent, it's simple to set up, and they're specialized in this stuff. So it does make it much faster, much easier. And I think... I was initially quite worried because 16 years ago, it was quite complicated. Now it's just so simple. 
It is, you know, and I think, um, you know, Cloudflare has really done an amazing job. You know, some of their initial strategy was partnering with some of these large hosting companies to really start dialing their product in. And, you know, that's why it was a no-brainer for Rocket.net to partner with them because they Don't know worry. it better than anybody. <laughs> right? well, Robert, yeah, they do that one. I didn't know I was feeding you that one. So. No, no, I mean, it's, but but it's true, right? Like, you know, they're they're the best when it comes to website delivery. You know, there's... If we were doing large file delivery, we we might you know look at other options and do some comparisons. But being in this industry for seventeen years, like I can tell you, no brainer. Like that is the best platform for WordPress and websites alike. Right. Well, let's talk about WordPress because I mean I think kind of a lot of people use WordPress. And what I did was install Cloudflare. This sounds like an advert, and it isn't. I didn't plan this at all. I didn't even know you use Cloudflare, but I plugged Cloudflare into my WordPress site because Jono Alderson told me to. And after setting up the DNS, and it sounds complicated, but it isn't, it literally took me five minutes. And it's so easy to manage. And I, I, but now, now I kind of get the impression I'm not sure how much it's actually bringing me because it's so transparent. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it, it, it depends. You know, there's a lot of benefits when it comes to DDoS protection and, you know, different things mm -hmm. even on their free tier. But, you know, the reality is, depending on how it's configured, you know, it's free, right? And you're getting the fastest DNS in the world. You know, that's part of your time to first buy it when somebody goes to your website, including Google. Cool. And cool. Sorry, can we dig into the DNS, the, the, the sure. time to first buy it in the DNS? Because you kind of think, well, that's like a hundredth, hang on, what is it? A hundredth of a thousandth. So it's a, a tenth of a second. Everybody thinks, or everybody, a lot of people think that doesn't matter, does it? How how long are you willing to watch the Netflix spinner go before you get frustrated and switch to Hulu? Maybe a second. second. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, that's just that's that's where we're all headed as you know as humans. You know, like we have very low tolerance for delays. So you know, if you have your DNS running on a single server in Ohio and somebody in Frankfurt's trying to pull your website. Could take some time, you know, and then can, the can you explain that a bit more? Up. Sorry, can you can you uh, can we can we build up from the DNS because I think the DNS is the core. It's saying, I mean, literally, we're talking about twenty milliseconds or forty milliseconds or a hundred milliseconds from that idea of your DNS, which is your the the mapping of that that these web that your browser, sorry, will make to your web server from the domain name. And that mapping can take anything from 20 milliseconds to 100 milliseconds, depending on how far it has to travel to find it. Is that correct? Sure. It could go even higher. You know, you could oh. see three, three, 400 milliseconds, depending on, you know, where it's at, right? And then you also have to think about if, if it's not available on what's called a recursor, which is, you know, different caching for DNS around the world, which has changed a lot over the years. You know, a lot of people use very low TTLs, so, you know, you're not always getting cached responses, but... If you're like if you're on a cPanel host and they have DNS NS55 and NS56, your DNS is basically on one server, right? And yeah. what happens is a lot of people's DNS is on one server, so you know there, you know that starts to get saturated eventually, depending on how many DNS requests are coming in that have low TTLs. But what that means is anytime it's not on like you know the old like you probably remember from you know late '90s, early 2000s it's going to take 24 hours for your DNS to update because your ISP has a cache, right? That's yep. kind of a thing of the past. You know, people can update DNS now and it's it's like a minute or two. So, you know, when you think about 
the world have, you know, if you have a busy website and you have DNS just sitting in one location in the middle of nowhere, that's going to you know, really impact your time to first bite because that's just one step of the process, right? Yeah, Sean, so, I mean, kind of, and, and you just use more acronyms than I can possibly imagine in the space of about a minute. Um, and if anybody's not following, <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> Anton, thank you very much. Um, there are multiple solutions. You can have that solution of saying, I can have the DNS, which is the the mapping back address to where my website actually is from the domain name for everybody in the world to my server. And that's really slow because there's a lot of back and forth. Or I can push it out to a third party who can specialize in that. Or I can use something like Cloudflare, which packages this into the entire uh, deal and the point here, I think, is that we think it isn't very important because it's only twenty, fifty, sixty, a hundred milliseconds. But as you said, it adds up. Now let's go on to the next step. What's the next step of of this time and delay adding up that leads to that spinning Netflix? Sure. Channel? So when you think about DNS, right, you get the address that you need to go to, and then your browser is going to make a request to that address. Now, if that's also a server that's in Ohio. That means everywhere around the world, no matter what is going to Ohio, every single time they access your website. And you know that is anywhere from 100 milliseconds to I've seen you know connect times, you know two seconds. And you know from there, once you figure out like, okay, you know I've gone from my house to the store, okay? That was you know this far of a drive. I get to the store, and maybe the store I'm going to is you know ten miles away, but for you it's a thousand. But I get to the store, but then all of a sudden their their doorway is very narrow, meaning only so many people at a time can get in and out. So now I have to wait, right? right. So that's kind of what happens in this scenario when you think about time to first bite. There's so many different layers of you know, and I always kind of try to you know compare it to tra tra traveling, right? And you know when you get to that store, now you're waiting to say, hey, I need to get in here. And then once you're in there, then you got to find what you're looking for. So there's all these different steps to where you can kind of run into a delay. And that's where some of these modern CDNs that are not just delivering content, but optimizing it and specializing and you know, uh, kind of shedding it out in different locations come into play, especially for these large websites. Right. Can I add another layer onto that? I mean, I'm, I'm going to stick with your analogy of being in a shop is that I go into the shop. I wait. Sorry, I wait outside the shop. I go in the shop, find what I want. I find one product, I buy it, I walk out, go home, realize I need another product, and then go back to the shop again, and the whole process starts again. How do browsers work, and why is it all so important for that? Because those backwards and forwards are incredibly time-consuming. Sure. So browsers, kind of like a GPS device, will store your addresses that you recently visited, right? So at that point, I can now skip the DNS lookup. Right. Hopefully, depending on how long it's been since I was there, because they all that's have their the time own looking caching. up the shop on on Google Maps. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I already have that. That's one click. I'm driving. Um. You know. And at that point, there's different scenarios where you know you have a route that is congested or not. So if you're on a route that's got a lot right. of traffic lights, or a route that's got an accident, or a route you know that's wide open. You know, those come into effect. But, you know, a lot of the static assets are safe to uh, cache into a browser. But what's not safe to cache into a browser is actually the HTML, just because if you make an update and let's say you change your CSS and that has, you know, a query string update, but the HTML page is cached in your browser, the customer is never going to see that and that could break or the visitor. 
So you know, you have to be really careful with what you cache inside of the actual browser. So what happens is the way like CDN is used a lot, and I saw this, you know, at the Mac CDN days is people will only serve static assets off the CDN. That means every time you go to your website, that first request is always going to Ohio, but all the style sheets and JavaScript may come from, you know, Miami for me. But because they don't have the CDN running on their entire site, it doesn't really give them a real benefit because it's still going to take that long to get to Ohio. Right. Are you saying you should put everything on a CDN or is that a bad 100, idea? 100%. 100%. Oh, everything, 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 everything. But how do you manage, for example, the, the updates? If you I update something on my server, how does the CDN possibly know about that? So, you know, there's ways like, for example, with us, we'll automatically send a purge request to the CDN when a change is made, right? So, you know, we have a some purge request really being saying to the CDN, clear the cache, get rid of everything that you've got in your in your cache memory, because something new is coming up, and then it will come back and get it again. Correct. That's right. Right. Okay, sorry. So the danger in that as far as I can see, is that you don't do the purging correctly and that people end up, or the CDN ends up with stale content, content that's out of date and is delivering it to people. Um, if, if you manage that badly, the whole thing can fall apart. Sure. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely a possibility, but, you know, you know, 2021, the, the, the caching and purging capabilities out there are pretty solid. So, you know, we, we haven't seen a case where the, you know, CDN just couldn't purge. You know, there's always ways to purge everything on your site, or maybe it's a specific asset that you purge from like right within WordPress. But yeah, that's definitely a, so, you know, thing yeah, to think but about. I, I'm not trying to catch you out. I'm kind of intrigued by the whole process because I was actually switching my, I, I created a dev site for my, a platform, what's it called, a staging platform for my website. And then I tried to access it, and it kept turning me back to the proper website because the first time I accessed it, I hadn't changed the mapping in the HD access. And the browser retained that information. So I thought that I wasn't getting through to the right server, but in fact, I was getting through to the right server. It's my browser that was tricking me because it was desperately trying to cache this information. And I think an awful lot of people who don't necessarily know a lot about technical aspects get caught out by that, thinking, I've done this wrong. And that the caching aspect is great because it saves time, but it doesn't have create a lot of problems. Sure. So in that scenario, that's because your browser was caching a, a response, right? Whereas with us, like we know that that's an edge case that can break somebody. So we make sure that browsers don't cache that request, right? Like Cloudflare caches it. So Miami will have it cached, but my browser doesn't. So instead of going all the way back to Ohio, my browser can still just go to Miami and grab it. Right. Okay. So my server's set up badly, and I should be using Rocket.net. Is that about <laughs> the size of it? Wouldn't be a bad move. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. So, okay, we, we've gone through this, this idea of time. We've gone through the idea of uh, delay. We've gone through the idea of cost. What other benefits does a CDN bring me? You know, I think, uh, I think it's a lot of the benefit to, you know, I think for the, for the site owners really around the SEO value of, you know, pushing your content as close as possible to the visitors. And then also, you know, increasing the conversion rate because you're that much closer and faster. You know, there's a lot of metrics out there on, you know, every second delay can cause X percent drop and bounce rates and things like that. So, 
you know, a lot of the value comes from a, um, you know, the visitor or user experience. And, you know, that's, that's really what it boils down to. And I think, you know, when, when you start to think about your visitor and your customer experience, you still want to satisfy Google. And it's going to be interesting to see how the core web vitals plays into this. You know, I've gone yeah. to websites where it looks like the CSS is completely broken. And then like a split second later, it side loads. And I'm like, that was weird. Like, is the site broken? I don't know if I would buy from this site. But their right. page speed scores are probably a hundred, right? So yeah, yeah. So kind of, you're talking there about the the content layer of the content layer layout shift. Sure, but what I'm getting at is you have to draw the line to optimize for your visitors and the Googlebot, right? So that's going to be the interesting thing, you know, that we'll start to see as more folks catch on to these core web vitals. You know, like for example, I can tell you live chat on our page lowers our page speed score. But we have to chat with our customers. You know, it's more important for us to have mm. communication with our customers than it is to have a fancy page speed score. Um, so that's you know, it's interesting to see like you know when people will draw a line there. But I think with the CDN, it, it really helps enable the the best possible visitor experience because no matter what you're you know, at the end of the day, something like WordPress is just outputting HTML. So if you can push that HTML as close as possible to the visitor, everybody around the world is going to get a level of experience. With the idea that the CDN is simply delivering the HTML and your server actually has to generate the HTML, which is necessarily slower. Is that about right? That's correct. Right. And and for something like a chatbot, I mean, we are we add chatbots. And one thing I've always been very curious about is why do suppliers of chatbots and sharing uh, the, the sharing plugins that you get on 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 WordPress, why are they so slow? Why don't they do such a good job of CDNs? Without, I think, without being particularly critical of anybody. I mean, it's Sure. A I mean, question. when you think of a live chat company, they specialize in building live chat. They don't necessarily specialize in asset delivery, but they right. specialize in building a live chat application. So I think, you know, I think it's just, you know, hey, we have it on a CDN. It's globally available. That's good enough. But then it also boils down to how you use that. Like, for example, if you you know, there's a lot of plugins out there like flying scripts that will let you add a delay to your JavaScript. So what you can do is, you know, since it's not critical to load your website, we, we could technically put a five second delay on live chat Inc. And it, it would stop affecting our page speed. But then again, it's still kind of a bad experience from our perspective for a customer. If they're like a delay on seeing our chat widget, maybe there's emergency, like every second counts. So, you know, there's definitely ways that you can handle that in your content. And I think Live Chat Inc. stance is that's your decision. It's your content. And if you want to load us immediately on load or if you want to do it this way. Right. Okay. So now, and that's another question. I'm, I'm a big fan, and you, I think you're, you're saying that you aren't a big fan, of saying everything that isn't essential to actually the user interacting with an iPage can usefully be put backwards, including chat. I mean... For me personally, I come onto a page, the chat window pops up within half a second. I find that annoying. I would well, rather I think, actually I think, interact with the page first. So I, I would think, suggest that might could be delayed. Go ahead, sorry. I think there's a difference between a proactive chat that's in your face. Hey, do you want to chat right, with us? Good point. Also a content decision versus just having a little icon that's there for you if you came here looking for chat. You know, a lot of our customers don't submit tickets. They just go to our website and hop right in chat. Here's what I'm trying to do. Right, okay. So, so the idea of saying to somebody, you can come on our website and people use the chat bot, the chat bot is incredibly important. So you're willing to make that 
well, take that hit in terms of speed to have the fact that your users can interact with you quickly. Sure, because it's not really inter- inter- like it's not. It's already a um, deferred script load, so it's it's actually that's the thing. It's not slowing down <laughs> our site. It's just page speed complains about it, right? Pay, light, you know, the lighthouse page speed insights complains about it, but it doesn't actually slow anything down. So, you know, if you go to our site on your phone now, it'll just load instantly and then you see a chat widget. But according to, if you judged us by a page speed score, you'd be like, that's terrible. But it's like, again, we have to make decisions for our user experience and not necessarily a bot. But then you mentioned Core Web Vital. Does that not now mean that we don't have to worry about speed? We just need to worry about how Google perceives that speed. Speed's a huge part of it. Time to first byte is one of the first things, right? Like if, I've seen websites that take eight seconds to just render a page because they're on shared hosting. And that's the time to first byte being eight seconds. You know, so think about eight seconds, you're seeing a gray screen in your browser and then the page starts to load. So that time to first byte is a huge part of the core web vitals to make sure, you know, your site's fast. Okay. So I'm from that point, you're then saying, okay, well, once we've got to the point where the time to first byte is reasonable, the pure speed of the site is not so important. The core web vitals are, which is kind of how quickly that main image or the main uh, information shows, how little the content shifts, the content layout shift measurement they have. And the other one is what's it called? The, the interactivity thing. Right. Yeah. So time to interactive. So, you know, I mean, they're all definitely important. You know, we've seen sites that are just very heavy, right? It's probably the best way to put it. And then we've seen the majority of sites that are very light. And, you know, I think what happens is, you know, what, like if I owned a caching plugin today and that was my business, I would be pivoting to an optimization plugin, right? And I would still have page caching as one of my features, but I would focus on how can I help folks like Elementor creating, you know, 150 requests for different JavaScript and CSS files. How can I optimize that for the end user? Yes, HTTP2 helps a lot with that. But at the same time, that's still a lot of requests and you're really not, you know, loading much. So, you know, I I would say they all totally matter. Like I believe the core web vitals do matter, um, you know, and you want visitors to get a great experience. It's just kind of Taking that content yeah. optimization and the network optimization, now you have the best of all worlds because you've optimized your content and you're delivering it as close as possible to the visitor. And uh, now there's a question about HTTP2. I mean, is it is it not universal now? Or am I kind of dreaming that because I use it and because my server uses it and because my browser uses it, everybody's using it, HTTP2 seems to be something that's now universal? Sure, but think about your <clears throat> your browser. If you're on a uh, slow machine mm. and all of a sudden you're loading 100 requests <laughs> in parallel because of HTTP2 and you're not blocking each other versus loading 25 requests in parallel, that's the difference, right? HTTP2 still serves a great purpose, but now you're getting into the realm of you're limited by your hardware. You know, if you're not on an Alienware machine or, you know, a, a MacBook mm. Pro, 150 requests is still going to take time in your browser. And and then we take a step back. I mean, from an SEO perspective, Google doesn't consider that everybody has the most amazing machine in the world. It considers that uh, it's measuring on the basis of 3G networks on slow machines, and it's judging you not on what you have in your office or in your home office, but what 
its typical user is going to have. And in fact, not even your typical user, it's its typical user. So even if your users are all using these fast machines and you B2B and everybody's in big cities buying your products, Google's judgment is what matters at the end of the day. Sure, absolutely. Okay, you're not going to expand on that. No, I mean, I, you know, I, I agree. Like, I think, you know, I think you said it right. Like, I think Google, you know, if you're, if you're really going for SEO, right. Mm -hmm. And that's your, that's your long tail game. Like if you're building a website for a landscaping company and, you know, you know, a lot of those long tail keywords will get them a ton of traffic. Absolutely. Extremely important. And flip side of that, if you're driving a lot of paid traffic, right. You know, at that point, you can kind of lean more towards the visitor optimization and conversion right. optimization, right? So if I have a flicker of CSS, that's going to hurt my conversion rate. But, you know, if I have, you know, this sacrifice a little bit of page speed score for that, I know my conversion rate actually goes up. So it's just, you know, I think every situation is somewhat unique to what your needs are. Um, but, it, you know, you can't really argue the speed of light. And that's where I think the, the network side of it, which is what, you know, we're focused on with Cloudflare Enterprise you know, that, you know, that's the real important thing, because no matter what your content is, at least it's that like one hop away from your visitor. Right. Okay. I mean, so basically, the idea for you for CDN is you're saying you're solving one of the biggest problems. And then after that, you can start to balance out what's more important for you having the chat window straight away, or having that web speed, direct speed, or whatever it might be called, hitting the core web vitals. And I like the approach, and if you can expand on it, of making a balance as a business and thinking about it not from just a pure SEO point of view, but from a business point of view, what, how can I balance what my users need and what Google needs to, in order to want to recommend my solution to its users? Sure. I think, I think when you run down a comparison list, for example, of if you have you know, network and then content side by side, and you start to, you know, kind of put these different items down, like, you know, speed, right? We know that every user wants things fast. So we should check the box of, you know, whether we're, whether we're more focused on SEO or we're more focused on pay-per-click. Yeah. We know that they need to get the payload as quick as possible. Check, right? We know that it needs to be secure because if we get hacked, we're not going to get listed in SEO and our PPC will turn off. Check. Right. So all these different things that start to kind of, you know, hit the same points where you you start to realize that it's always network first. You know, like the network, you know, it's like Cloudflare like to say the network is the computer, right? So when you think about having the network problem solved, where you don't have to worry about an eight-second time to first bite, you don't have to worry about security and all these different things. Now you just focus on that content. And when it comes to your actual content optimization, that's where you really start to say, Hey, am I okay with a CSS flicker or should I pay a little bit extra to get a critical CSS path generated? Am I okay with 150 requests or should I have a plugin consolidate it down to 25 requests? Should I have HTTP2 server push? Should I not? You know, and that's where it starts to get really in the weeds of some of these things you can do, um, like preloading fonts, super simple to do and free plugins out there that, you know, appeases page speed and, and different things out there. Um, so, you know, I think that's, that's the interesting thing is no matter what approach you want to take, solving your network issue off the bat makes sense no matter which way you want to go for it. But when it comes to the whole, well, which one are we focusing on? That's obviously a company and marketing decision. But, you know, nine times out of 10, you know, they're really going to be focusing on that content optimization to get those page speed scores up.
That's an absolutely brilliant way to conclude the whole thing is saying basically, if you can pass it all out to a CDM, you can focus on what you really want to do, which is build content, satisfy your clients when they get to your site and actually make the sale. Thank you very much, Ben. That was a really lovely conclusion. I'm delighted by it. Thank you. No, thank you. You know, that's that's actually something we commonly say at Rocket.net to our agency customers, even retail clients, you know, let us handle that. You focus on what you do best Mm. and that's content. Brilliant stuff. Thank you very much. Well, for everybody who's watching, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, Next week, we're going to have Bibby, Bibby the Link Builder, all about laughing your way through outreach, which is definitely going to be fun. I know she's a great link builder, and she's a delightful person. She really knows her stuff. Thank you very much, Ben. A quick goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Ben. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, man.